0: Naaman turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean? So Naaman went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy. He was clean. Please pray with me. Dear God, as we have asked you, we ask you to be here with us in this place now. And we trust that you have kept your promise and that you are here. May my words be your words. All of our thoughts, your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please sit. The College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Arizona offered a seminar that I attended for graduating seniors on resume preparation. It was all about learning how to present yourself in this printed piece of paper format in the best light possible so that you could get the job that you were applying for after college. And that's actually the first piece of advice I remember from the seminar was to not just have one resume that you sent out indiscriminately to whoever you were asking for a job, but to actually tailor your resume for the job for which you were applying. And there were other things too, like your resume should always fit on one page, because that's all prospective employers are going to look at. There were certain acceptable fonts to use, fonts to avoid, layouts that studies had shown were most effective. What's funny is, all these years later, the number one thing that sticks in my mind from this seminar on resume preparation, and this is something that face it specifically to the late 90s when I was doing it, is this one particular piece of advice. Don't use a Hotmail address on a resume. Nothing apparently looks less professional than Hotmail. And in fact, to this day, if somebody emails me from a Hotmail account, and yes, there are still a few of you out there, apologies (laughs) To you if this is you, but if someone emails me from a Hotmail account, my very first thought going back to this resume seminar is that that person is probably not very employable. (laughs) Uh, Now, I'm not sure that paper resumes are a very big deal anymore, but I do know that resumes in general are still a huge thing. We are all always working on our resumes, always tailoring them, always presenting them, even if we've been working in the same job forever. In fact, most of our resumes have nothing whatever to do with the jobs we have or the jobs we want. There's a great moment in A Few Good Men where to me, Moore and Tom Cruise are out to dinner, and she's mentioning some qualifications and accomplishments that she's achieved. And he stops her. Why are you always giving me your resume? He says. Because I want you to think I'm a good lawyer. She says. She might as well have said, because I want you to think I'm good. And aren't we all doing this all the time? Preparing our... Resumes, tailoring them to whoever we're having an interaction with, giving them. Now, we don't want to be caught doing it because it's a little embarrassing, but we do it just the same. We always look for ways to casually mention the college we went to or the workplace honor we received last year or how successful our child is. Or we desperately hope that there will come a natural conversational opportunity for us to mention our SAT scores. Or, you know, something like that. But you know who's not embarrassed to be caught giving his resume? Naaman, our character from our reading this morning from 2 Kings. Did you catch what he's up to here? He's got leprosy, right? But in a stroke of luck, He's from Damascus, and his army has just captured this slave girl from Samaria, and she says that she knows of a prophet who can heal him. And so Naaman sets off on this journey from Damascus to Samaria, and he's sure to bring his resume with him. He's outfitted with 10 talents of silver. 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 sets of garments, clearly intending to purchase his healing, to show how important he is, how accomplished. You should know that that's 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold. This is a royal amount of money, a resume that would impress anyone. He gets to Samaria, and after meeting the king, Elisha, the prophet, hears of his condition, and here's what happens. You all heard the reading. Naaman comes to Elisha's house in full force, all his horses and chariots, silver and gold and clothing, his whole resume with him, and Elisha doesn't even come to the door. Elisha sends a messenger to him. Saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. And Naaman is furious. His resume has been ignored completely. I thought for me, Naaman says, he would surely come out and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God, and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the rivers of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? Why did I bring my resume all the way down here? If you're not even going to look at it. The Bible says that he goes away in a rage. But then his servants say, wait a minute. If the prophet had commanded you to do something hard, wouldn't you have done it? So why aren't you going to do it when he only asks you to do something easy? So Naaman relents, does the easy thing, and is made clean. See, Naaman is just like you and me. He's brought his resume with him, and he is incensed that he doesn't get a chance to show it off. It turns out that to Elisha, Naaman is not much of anybody. And then he's doubly angry because Elisha tells him that not only does he not care about his resume, but that the solution to his problem is actually really easy. Now, it's crazy that this Syrian military man who lived hundreds of years before the birth of Christ is so much like me. And he's so much like you, too. Naaman comes to Samaria intending to overwhelm the prophet with his riches. He's got all this silver and gold and beautiful clothing, and he rolls up to Elisha's house with all his horses and chariots. He wants Elisha to know Just how important he is. How rich, how influential, how accomplished. And that no matter how much this miraculous healing will cost, he can afford it. But Elisha doesn't even come out. He doesn't even look at the resume. He sends a servant out to tell Naaman to wash in the Jordan seven times. And Naaman is not happy. He's worked hard on his resume. It's taken a lifetime of accomplishment to get to this point. And all this hard work is now seeming to be beside the point. And Naaman's angry for another reason, too, a reason that makes even less sense as we first consider it. The solution he's given is apparently too easy. When he's told to just go to the local river and wash, he thinks That's something he could have just as well done for himself. Naaman wants a complicated ritual or a recipe with all sorts of steps he has to follow. He wants a complicated treasure map. And he's angry about not getting a long assignment. If Naaman can't earn his healing by purchasing it with his extravagant wealth... He wants to earn it by showing his faithful obedience, by doing whatever complicated thing Elisha wants him to do. So Naaman can't be happy either way, right? He can't be happy about the thing being free and easily available to him, which sounds crazy. But you and I often feel the same way. Naaman is just like us. We all have this innate desire to do things the hard way. Because then we can turn around and say, look what I was able to do. The harder the thing we do, the better the story when we put it on our resume and tell other people about it. This is why we're suspicious of things that are given away for free, right? Must be junk. What can it possibly be worth if I don't have to work for it? If I don't have to bankrupt myself to get it, it must not really be worth having. And All people are like this. The things we have to work hard for, the things that are difficult, these are the things that are resume builders. We sneer at what we call trust fund babies and celebrate self-made men. Things that are free, things that come easy, things that don't require work, what value can they really have? Well, and Christians are just normal people, too. And we similarly have trouble handling something that is given away for free. And certainly when that something is forgiveness and the love of God and eternal life. These things are too valuable. We are desperate to earn them. Now, of course, you know that we are saved by the grace of God and Jesus Christ alone, and that it would be the most ridiculous thing in the world to show up to the prophet's house, hoping to buy salvation. We all know you can't do that. We know that we are saved for free, but I want to suggest to you this morning that, in a way, hearing that we are saved for free is actually way more infuriating to our sinful human hearts than having to buy it, than having to earn it. Because now, having received salvation as a gift, we feel like we owe God something, and we hate owing anyone for anything so we resolve to balance the scales if we can't earn our salvation we think we can at least struggle to retroactively purchase it by becoming people for whom such a substitutionary sacrifice or jesus giving up his holiness and dying a criminal's death on the cross we need that to not be such a scandal So we resolve to become the kind of people who might deserve that. We think that if we can't pay for it up front, if we understand that we could never pay for God's favor, for God's healing, for God's love and salvation, at least we can try to pay it back. We fear something easy. Both because we don't understand it, And because we've been convinced that something easy isn't worth anything. So we get back to work building our resumes. This is why the Galatians from a few weeks ago were so ready to fall back under the yoke of what Paul called the law's slavery. The gift they had received, free salvation in Jesus Christ, was so overwhelmingly good that it made sense to them that there was work to do after receiving it to earn it retroactively if the gift was good they resolved to make the thank you even better and in their rush to make the thank you great they forgot about the gift And we fall into this too. It's so easy to get completely embroiled in thinking about what we can do for God. How we can say thank you for his wonderful gift. That we neglect to celebrate the wonderfulness of the gift. What God has in Christ done for us. Remember St. Paul's lament. Who, Who has bewitched you? And Naaman is bewitched too. Right? He's, he's going to leave. He's going to go away unhealed. He has been told something simple and he is so angry, so bewitched that he is going to leave without doing it. Without receiving the healing that is available to him. And finally his servants step in. Master, father, father, having prepared yourself to do something hard, shouldn't you be overjoyed to only have to do something easy? Having girded up ourselves to do something hard, shouldn't we be grateful that we have been asked to do something easy? Having convinced ourselves that a righteous life is the path to God's love and acceptance, shouldn't we be overjoyed to learn that God's love and acceptance has been given to us for free? Our natural resistance to a no-cost salvation shows a forgetfulness of the most crucial truth of our faith, that our salvation didn't actually cost Nothing. It wasn't actually free. It just cost us nothing. It was just free for us. It cost our Savior, Jesus Christ, everything. This easy thing, this free gift, wasn't easy for Jesus. It wasn't free. For him, it cost him everything and is worth more than anything else in the world. It's only free for you. Your resume is not good enough. It is found to be lacking. You don't have the right experience. You didn't go to the right schools. You still have a Hotmail address. You're a sinner. There can be no relationship between a sinner like you and a holy, almighty God. But then a miracle. A miracle. Something incredibly easy. Wash and be clean. Naaman washed in the river. You are washed In the blood of the Lamb. And now, the Lamb's resume is yours. The Lamb's accomplishments are yours. The Lamb's relationship with a holy, almighty God is yours. He is yours. Jesus Christ is yours. Today and forever. Amen.